Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, we're back. I'm back. Hello, Randy's Good here. To see you again. Present accounted for. I did not get a chance to look, in case you were wondering, at my uh, daughter's joke book this past week. So Good. you are off the hook. Good. But I could probably come up with one. You could. I don't remember jokes well, though. Neither do I, and I'm the absolute worst teller of jokes. Okay. Oh, it's awful. You should work one in one of your sermons. No, I can't because they're <laughs> no good. They're horrible. You should do poetry. <laughs> the sermon's bad enough, and then to put a bad joke in, it's like, oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got nothing, but we've been in this series now for a while, mm-hmm. but um, within the series, we're in a little mini section of mm-hmm. it, and yeah. it's been three weeks. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be any more in the gender no, role? That's, so that's you're it. done with it. All right. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, yeah, as far needed, as the podcast yeah, we goes. Need, yeah, we needed to talk about it only because of all the biblical passages that seem to be, uh, you know, under fire. Mm-hmm. It seems to be all things gender related. And so it was just an introduction to some of the issues that are going on. And how do we read particular scripture like Genesis? And now, of yeah. course, Sunday's the... Mm-hmm. Paul's teaching for uh, the gender-specific instruction for the church. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we were, First Timothy 2. Um, and so that kind of gets into the first question. We had someone write in and say, hey, I had a conversation with someone, and they thought that this was, the teaching was out of date and sexist. And right. I'll read it for you, but yeah. essentially it's the culture. Has moved. It totally. Yeah. Uh, and But for what it's worth, the culture is always moving. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it moves in different ways. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the first time for what it's worth. Like, like I think sometimes I hear people and it's like panic button. This is the worst it's ever been in the history of humanity. Right. And cultures have moved to and from biblical, yeah. you know, commands and ideas yeah. and principles. Yeah, and evidently the worst in history was Genesis 6. Mm. Genesis yeah. 6 where yeah. God says every intention of the heart was evil was evil continually time. yeah so yeah. that's i mean if you want to talk about the absolute worst of humanity there you had it yeah so much so that god says that's it we've got to put a stop to this and so right. you know you know that story but i think why that's good for me to remember at least is because um this isn't anything new to the church you know the church god's people have been through things like this before yeah. these aren't uncharted waters they're uncharted for us mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways but not for you know the lord and, and what he's I think that's a great point because uh, put yourself uh, put yourself in the first century church. So you hear Paul's letter. Actually, you wouldn't have probably heard that if I get that if I get that text correctly from First Timothy two. You're going to hear Timothy start to put into practice what Paul said to teach that church. And so what you heard back in the first century would have been very radical to mm. hear. Yeah, not maybe in the same way as it is for us, but it would have been and and. So uh, men and women were acting uh, normally in a culture, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden the instruction comes, and that is attacking prevalent sins in the human heart, both mm-hmm. male and female in that text. So it would have been difficult for them to hear that too right then. Yeah, and so am I right in remembering that one of the reasons it would have sounded off is because the women and men wouldn't have worshipped together. It would have they the women wouldn't have been included in something like that. So, is it safe to say that what was radical was that women weren't being told to uh, worship quietly, but they were being 
they were allowed to be there allowed at all. To, allowed to learn. Yeah. That they were included in the learners would have been a radical thing in and of itself. And Jesus did a lot of that even, you know, sure. obviously prior to Paul. Uh, it was a it was a radical way of looking at how do women function in society in Roman society. It was one thing. Now yeah. you come into the church. Now you have to function another way. And so, why does that not allow the 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 line to continue to move? Yeah. You know, two thousand years good. later, why That's don't good. we say, well, you know, Jesus allowed women good. to good. be learners. Yeah. Why can't they now be preachers? Yeah. That's a great question. And so, what we, what we try to do is just try to take everything back to. Uh, what does the revelation of God say? And there is an angle, uh, by the way, um, there is an angle that extrapolates beyond the Bible to say, since here's what it says in Scripture, but now we're going to go, we're going to follow that trajectory. But the problem with that has always been, do you still have authority? Mm. So the reason why the line, uh, even the culture continues to change, but at some point, People have to allow the scripture to dictate um, this is the way a kingdom person lives. So I do think you're right that the culture yeah. continues to shift. But if we continue to shift the interpretation of scripture because of culture, right. that's what gives rise to an entire denomination saying Paul is no longer an authority for our lives because he is now counterculture and culture now determines what's true. Yeah. That's the logic that mm -hmm. we have to avoid because we're coming to church saying this is God's word, mm -hmm. which does not change. Right. And so, that, I mean, that's the analogy of the, is the tail wagging the dog or is the dog wagging the tail or what comes first? You're, you're mm -hmm. flipping mm -hmm. who's, who the mm -hmm. authority is. Is it the Bible or is it the culture? Mm -hmm. And we would continue to say it's the Bible. That's why we say because of an eternal God, as opposed to fickle culture, which is yeah. changing because of human preferences, uh, human uh, social movements, you name it. Yeah. And when we talked about we talked about the social movement, for instance, the feminism that uh, that started back in the early 60s and mm -hmm. uh, referenced the Helen Reddy song from 71 or 72. I think it came out in 72. Um, you know, you've got all these movements that happen in a culture, in a particular country. Mm -hmm. And uh, the question is, do we have the revelation of God that can be sort of a stable, not sort of a stable guide? Mm -hmm. And it's not specific on everything, which is no. the, which was the mm -hmm. problem with this text that mm -hmm. we dealt with. Every, I think I'm, I'm with you saying. I wish he could have given a little bit more specifics like, you know. Like I wish he would have. But he didn't. Yeah, right. He didn't. Exactly. Okay. He didn't. So. Well, let me ask this first question. We've circled around it a little mm -hmm. bit, but uh, the the writer says, "I've been thinking about the Sunday service and have had a short conversation with someone who wasn't in agreement. I was wondering if another approach to the topic would be in comparison to gender roles within marriage. Essentially, biblically, the man is the head of the household; he's in charge, ultimately, but not exclusively." And in the same way, men are in charge of the worship service within church, among other mature Christians, ultimately, but not exclusively. So, so I, I really, I, I do. I, re, I really like the fact that whoever this is is thinking about how do I put the gender-specific instructions into practice in other ways. Where does where else does it show up? Well, we know in other texts it does. Ephesians five makes it clear about the uh, the situation in marriage. Mm -hmm. First Corinthians 11 is going to make it pretty clear with respect to uh, women praying, for instance, in the church. And some of that 
some of that comment and observation and question had to do with in church as well. So not just within the home, male and female, but in the church, male and female, there are other scriptures that we could go to and we would say, all right, we, we, want to put, uh, we want to put our church operation in line with that truth. And so I would say, yes, there is a, a, there is a correlation. These things do spill over into other areas, husband mm-hmm. and wife relationship for two Christian people or a spouse that is Christian and a spouse that isn't is also uh, addressed as far mm-hmm. as the godliness of that, that whole scenario, being a sanctifier of that marriage. Uh, so there's lots of scripture that we could go to for sure that would show, again, gender-specific instructions for the home and also f- for the Christian home and also for the Christian church and how it's run. Okay, so I took that question a little bit to say, um, in a marriage, we have a husband and a wife, mm-hmm. and the husband is the head of the household, but it doesn't mean he is the only person that has a voice. Like, oh, sure, sure. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If it, I mean, if it's a question about how quiet... Yeah, uh, there's nothing there's no uh, there's nothing about that until you get to where is that text? Uh, if you want whoever this is, take a look at first uh, Peter three and you will see uh, there is another instance of and I think Peter words it without a word. Uh, um, so the, the, the mm-hmm. Christian spouse is able to affect the spirituality of that home and the husband potentially possibly without a word Mm -hmm. so there is something to that but but as far as uh, and this is always an issue does submission mean you have no voice no remember submission means that whoever if if i'm the subordinate then i am not acting independently in control of the thing the entity because i'm i'm a subordinate Mm -hmm. so it's not that i don't have a voice it's just that I am not the controller of the direction. And so we never want to, uh, we never, and this has been for years, people have associated, unfortunately, whoever's submission, whoever's submissive becomes the doormat is, was, was always yeah. a, mm-hmm. that was almost a standard, a negative picture mm-hmm. of what submission is. That's not what it is. It's just submission says, I'm, I'm willing to take my orders from someone who is responsible for the direction. And I place myself willingly under that person. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of things about that. For instance, the Bible is not saying that you place yourself under the authority of somebody who's making you sin against God. There's a line that's drawn. So uh, there's a whole lot of that. My my uh, plea here for Beyond Sunday would be uh, take the take that attitude and the character traits of that Christian woman and just make them permeate every part of your life. And that testimony in this world mm-hmm. is going is going to be very bright. Yeah, you said this uh, a week or so ago. I fr- I remember you said something mm-hmm. like, "We it seems like we just need to recapture just the whole concept of biblical manhood and womanhood." I mm-hmm. think was the way you put it a week yeah. or so back, not on the podcast. We were just chatting. Yeah, bright moment of mine. I guess it was really good. Let me try again. Yeah, um, like I think one of the reasons, let's say, the feminist movement in America really gained a voice was because to view a wife or any woman Mm -hmm. as a doormat is so flat and thin and, you know, a doormat just fits that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really poor. Um, And so biblical womanhood is so much more robust than that. And to think of them, you know, like I think of some of those old shows that I I like watching, Mm -hmm. uh, like leave it to beaver. Um, Mm -hmm. I I can't say Mrs. Cleaver. I I didn't watch a show enough to really know, was she uh, a powerful force in that home or not? 
Um, but if she's just someone who yeah. cooks and cleans, those are valid, good, important things. Yeah. But if that's the right the limitation right. for all women, that's yeah. just not full enough. No, and no, and it's not full enough because of the scriptures. Uh, Proverbs thirty-one would be a place where mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of us would go and say that that woman at the end of Proverbs is at the end of Proverbs on on purpose. Mm-hmm. Lady Wisdom had been showing herself and and uh, showing off her voice at the beginning of that book, and now at the very end of the book, you have. Lady Wisdom, the epitome of Lady Wisdom showing up. And it's very interesting that she ends that book like that. I mean, that is really powerful, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you thought that the very next book might have been Ruth. Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's one of the angles that you is. look at in the uh-huh. canon. So, um, um, yeah, uh, the doormat uh, being stepped on, um, it's too bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah really yeah, is. The, the, you know, someone said years ago, if you really if you really want to experience the fullness of Christ, then you don't need women's liberation. You need biblical transformation of your heart and your and you need to fit into God's order in the way in which he designed. Mm-hmm. And I know there's lots of questions about how to do that, but that's way more fulfilling. And and there's so many stats mm-hmm. that show this, that that. Uh, that women who go after, for instance, what the world says they should go after, there's so many. Uh, there's been so many studies that show that's that's not fulfillment. It's, it it just doesn't bring fulfillment. Yeah. It's just you're, we're fulfilled in our roles as men and women, displaying the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's where we're most fulfilled. Yeah. But the culture, of course, is is going to uh, take us in another direction from yeah. that. But we yeah, are absolutely. image bearers mm-hmm. by gender. By yeah. sex. And so the person who wrote the question in, the person they were having a conversation with, viewed this teaching as, here's two words, mm-hmm. yeah. sexist sure. and outdated. Right. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, so I would say uh, sexist because uh, what you've done is you have decided that God's reason for creating male and female and his purposes for male and female in his kingdom, you've decided that, that those are, that that's bogus. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. So mm-hmm. to label it sexist is to have another view on reality that God does not share. That's yeah. that's just period the way the Bible records it. Yeah. The second part was outdated. So outdated because now this person is saying, well, well, of course, of course it's outdated because no one in society thinks this way. And I've been saying, of course, to all of us, we, you shouldn't expect society to think mm-hmm. this way. Society cannot think this way because society does not submit itself to its creator and his design. So mm-hmm. don't be surprised. That's the whole reason for, is one of the two reasons for the, the little series is so that when we have those conversations, we're ready for that person may not may not buy into this whole reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than likely, they're not going to. Yeah. Not and without ears to hear. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but for us to recognize a couple of things, let me walk backwards here. Outdated. It is outdated. It's 2,000 years old, but that doesn't mean that it's not, mm-hmm. that the current uh, culture mm-hmm. has the stake on truth. Uh, God's word has the yeah. stake on truth. So yeah. to an extent, we can say, yeah, sure, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't. It doesn't fit the, the biblical teaching of you know, the first century. The apostles mm-hmm. doesn't fit into twenty first century America. So it's out of date. But mm-hmm. which one is right or wrong? That's a different question. Mm-hmm. Um, For so many reasons. Yeah, and then the whole sexist um, 
thing is, I think you, you worded it well, um, with, I'd ask you to put it more simply for me, but to, um, I forget how you said it. Well, I mean, the bottom, me? the bottom line is God creates male and female in his image, but not just this, the gender, but how do they function in his world? And yeah, Mich Michelle, yeah, Michelle asked me this the other day and I said, it's not necessarily that you are an image bearer as a male, specifically as a male. And then your wife, Rebecca, is an image bearer because she's female and mm -hmm. your maleness expresses the image of God in her femaleness. It's, it might be that the combination of the couple in mm -hmm. Genesis, male and female combined, is what God says, this is the image bearer I need because that relationship best bears my image, mm. the way in which they function in my kingdom. Because remember, they're the ones that are in charge of the whole creation, mm -hmm. having dominion over it all. And so the combination of the male and female under God, to me, is, is as if not more important than just a male representing God and a female representing. Think about the, think about the order yeah. that, that a world sees when, when the genders work the way God said they should work. And now what we're seeing mm -hmm. in the culture, of course, is that's all overturned. Yeah, right. So just remember that according to God's word, the image bearing is occurring as both of them work together, ideally mm -hmm. as a Christian unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they complement each other. Yes. Perfect. Yes, yes. A helper to his opposite. Right. To his opposite. Yeah. I don't think any of the English translations use it that way. But not it's it's hard, it's a hard <laughs> translation. It really is. Yeah. yeah no yeah. doubt. All right. Here yeah. we go. All right. Second question here that came in. And this one, there's not a specific application question. So I want to just brace you for that. Okay. Um, All right. But I took just a breath. Ask you to think about it. And and where I think this is helpful is just for us, even though it's not a go do and uh -huh. go and do this kind of beyond Sunday application, mm -hmm. just to continue to think about God's word and, and how it plays mm -hmm. itself out in our lives or our thoughts about God, yeah. I think is good too. So here you go. All right. Uh, a question from the sermon about verse 15. Mm -hmm. uh, the writer says, I don't really know what my question is, but maybe the topic could just be I can relate to that. Expounded upon. Yeah. yeah. So here we go. It seems like you, Randy, not me, you, yes. uh, were interpreting this verse 15 to mean that women will be saved by the birth of the Messiah mm -hmm. as opposed to one's own giving birth of children. Mm -hmm. However, in reality, we're not saved by Jesus' birth, but faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. That was sufficient because of this. Calm, calm now. I'm no, almost done good, here. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Good, good uh, but in faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, that was sufficient because of the sinless life he lived and the resurrection. Yes. Yeah, so go ahead. That, yeah, I mean, whoever you are, you're, ex you're exactly right, which <laughs> is why, which is why at the end of that, that message, we're, we're at the end of every message, we're always clear on how does the gospel work to create such a life. And so in this case, I took you back to the early part of First Timothy and showed you that uh, that text. So, yes, you're exactly right. But the verse is saying, though, that 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 the woman, uh, despite all of the uh, the guardrails that were in place there and all the the, uh, you know, don't do this, do, don't do this. Mm -hmm. That woman is saved and there's so many interpretations of what that is. Yeah. So I just picked the one that I think is is uh, is very solid. Um, so yeah, that uh, she's going to be the vehicle uh, through which the Messiah is born. So 
but but the woman is remember though the rest of that verse says there's a condition do you remember do you remember the condition can so, you pull up that verse do you have right, your... uh, yeah sure yeah but, the, but remember so so the condition of that um give me just one second um the condition is we were in first timothy uh, yeah i think so first timothy 2 15 is what the question is all about so yeah. The, yet she shall be saved through childbearing. If you if 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 it stopped there, and I said the the Messiah because the Messiah is going to be born, all women are going to be saved. You would you you would say that's not true, and I would agree with you. But the verse continues, and we talked about this very briefly. If they continue in faith and love and holiness with self control, so all of that is, of course, a woman responding to Christ with faith and love and holiness and self-control responding to Christ and then letting Christ develop those character traits that's the condition for the woman being saved so mm -hmm. whoever you are that was a good observation just remember the rest of the verse makes that very clear what you're after it is yeah. and then also just to recognize that it you know yet she will be saved through childbearing that would be a condition well like to think that someone's salvation is based on them bearing Had a child the ability to have a child even. yeah that would be a poor reading as well yes, so i think that's yes, where your interpretation yeah, is helpful yeah because that's just not it and there's all kinds of things wrong with that like right. a single a single gal a single lady uh, oh yeah i mean the scriptures is really clear on how valuable it is and paul says it's more valuable uh, so mm -hmm. just, uh, again, just remember that the end of that verse makes it clear that those character traits are include faith, but also the outworking of faith uh, in Christ. The outworking of faith in Christ means that this woman is going to be a redeemed woman. Uh, and all of that is, of course, uh, that was prophesied, remember, back in Genesis 3, 15. Mm -hmm. So the, the seed of the woman yeah. was going to uh, crush the head of that serpent. Yeah. And going to win the day, even though uh, the seed was going to suffer a wound right. himself, I would say, at this at this point, especially yeah. this far along. It's one of the reasons you might go to that translation or that interpretation anyway of the childbearing, look, going back to Genesis 3, because he roots the argument of uh, the women being quiet in church. He roots that in Genesis you know, those he early does. chapters. So he does. that would be, I think, one, one mm -hmm. of the reasons why we mm -hmm. consider it a timeless truth one that does not shift with culture mm. and the line doesn't move because it was rooted pre-fall right and then my second question there is that why you might lean towards that interpretation yeah of that yeah too? and then yes i would but i'd lean in another direction you know some of my scholar friends that do a lot of work on these texts a lot more than i can from week to week there is a reason why a lot of people link this to the virgin mary and what's said about her mm. Now, uh, depending on your uh, your association with Roman Catholicism or something might determine your reaction to that. But remember, uh, there are great things said about Mary yeah. in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so she uh, she is a big deal because of, look at she, you know, she gave birth to the Messiah. It's like, wow. Yeah. So I can see that link being a, a pretty important one. But uh but I, I, listen, I love the fact that you're being careful like that. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is OK for us to, to clarify things. Uh, and boy, I hope that, you know, this week we have Christian men and, and Christian women buying into just buying into the whole uh, 
the instructions that are gender specific because it's a way to bear the image of God in a world that is overturning all of these things. So mm -hmm. it's a very big, uh, it's, it's a big opportunity for the church to shine brightly uh, to the point where it's probably good in conversations for people to balk at that because then you can just step back and say, you know what, you and I just believe in, in different realities. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're believing that society is dictating what is truth and yet you know that society is always changing so there's no bedrock there. There's no stability for you. For me, I'm making uh, an assumption just like you, but in the other direction. I am assuming that God exists and that as a creator, he has built us a certain way for a particular task. And I love the stability of that. You and I are just in two different worlds. I understand that. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so it's, you know, I understand the sexist and the out, out to date. I understand that reaction, but just understand that you and I are coming from two different worldviews. Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? With, I'm okay with that. I'd be talking to that person. Yeah. Saying, you know, I'm okay with that. I just want us to know the difference. That's all. Yeah. You know, you have a different, uh, you have a different way of seeing truth. That's, that's just, normal. and that can be really helpful because a lot of times someone who just thinks what the culture and society thinks, they haven't really thought about why they're basing their they have, opinion on that. They have or, no idea. Like taking it to its logical conclusion. Some don't. I mean, Carl Truman in this book that I've quoted a lot from, uh, the, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, I think, is the title of the book. And mm -hmm. one of the things he points out is, isn't it fascinating that the average person on the street who's not really thought about things philosophically, maybe, they buy into all of this. Mm -hmm. the, the academics in the universities are pushing it, but the average person isn't thinking philosophically. Like, you know, I'm really going right. to delve into the meaning of truth and what is truth. And uh, yeah. that's, not to, uh, that's not to discount intellect. That's just to say... We don't mm -hmm. think like that, but huh. yet the entire society buys into this so much so that I have to affirm your identity, whatever you feel, because that's what's right. I, I would say to you again, you know, just plead with you the way I was talking, uh, making up a conversation. Just make sure you're gracious with that person and say, I understand you, know, you and I have a different worldview. That's OK. I just want to be clear on the differences. Mm -hmm. Extend that grace Rather than to say, you know, uh, you know, to judge them in that mindset and to write them off or to uh, condemn them or to pontificate over them or, or that's the most idiotic thing I ever heard or I don't think that's a great way to approach anyone, period. Yeah, no, so. I agree. All right. So there was one, the second part to this question mm -hmm. uh, that I think we can get through kind of quickly okay. and, and you already addressed it, I think, to a degree. The second part of that verse 15 uh, says that they assume to live in faith, love, holiness, etc. Yeah, uh, self-control. I think so. This seems to indicate a conditional salvation. Um, oh, sure. So we have that. I mean, yeah, good. Um, if you're new to the church, you you'll hear Randy say often that we don't want to take the tension out of the Bible, and so there are passages that lead you to mm -hmm. think, oh, there's a condition attached to our salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, where I think we would say. You're, you're saved by grace through faith alone. Yeah. But I think, is it Martin Luther? It says like faith alone saves, but faith, like faith that works, I don't know. It's got to show forth fruit. And so those conditions, if you want to call them that, are fruits, byproducts, faith, love, holiness, self-control. That would be the outworkings, the natural outworkings of faith. And if those aren't there, yeah. then maybe you should think about where your faith actually is. Yeah. So two things quickly, uh, the, you know, the phrase that um, people have 
said for a long time, you're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. That's it. I thought of what you were fishing for, right? So it's a nice catchy way to do it. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it's a good way to do it. The second thing is, uh, if you were listening to him carefully, the first condition in the verse is faith. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you, is salvation, does salvation, uh, does your salvation have a condition? The answer is yes. No one is saved without faith. Right. So faith is a condition. Mm-hmm. Our reading of the Bible, however, believes that even that ability to believe is a gift of God. And mm-hmm. so the condition, if we're going to use that language, the condition is something granted by God at the start. But then after the faith, mm-hmm. those other things, I think you could then say they are clearly evidences of saving faith at work, yeah. transforming the woman into those things. So. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's a condition attached. The condition is faith. Is faith a work? Be careful about how you answer that one. That's tricky. (laughs) And we could talk about that sometime, whoever you are. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. And so if you guys have any questions uh, about what we talk about today or in the sermons in the future, uh, please don't hesitate to email them to us, podcast at cbcmj.com. Randy's always gracious to answer questions. It's one of the reasons why we're doing this because yeah, it's good. It's fun. Yeah. It I appreciate the folks that have said they're, you know, they're watching, listening, interacting. It's, mm-hmm. we just want to be helpful, you know, during the week to say, uh, you know, we're beyond Sunday. Let's keep living this out and let's talk about how to do that. Yeah. And this is a day late this week. So yeah, I know. Our, my, my our, fault. It is his fault. My fault. I'll throw the blame over there. There you go. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Adios. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, Our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.